I started off for the first year only doing maybe one article a month. And I went to FinCon last year and the majority of them told me that if, if I really want to start driving traffic, I had to commit to at least at minimum two articles a week. So now I do on a minimum two a week, sometimes more. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Jeff Anzalone. Jeff is a full-time periodontist turned real estate investor. In this episode, Jeff will teach us how to create an online thought leadership platform to raise funds for multifamily commercial investments. If you're new to this podcast, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com podcast. By the way, if you need help financing your next real estate project, check out Conventus Lending. Conventus is the best hard money lender with amazing rates and incredible service. I've used them for years and they've always been incredibly easy to work with. If you need a hard money loan, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. And if you want to know the secrets of how investors in the Bay Area are making huge profits in one of the most expensive markets in the world, Download the free Ultimate Bay Area Investing Handbook on our website, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. Okay, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Yeah, my name is Jeff Anzalone, actually a periodontist practicing full-time in Louisiana that I also started a blog, a finance blog, more geared towards physicians, dentists, other white collar professionals. When we talked before the show, first started the blog about two years ago, it's called debtfreedr.com. That was geared more towards helping people not have or make the same financial mistakes that we had made. And which that basically involved in, as the name on the website goes, racking up a lot of debt, mainly student loan debt, but also helping them, you know, because whenever we get out of school, we don't get any type of financial education, yet we typically get out with high incomes. So I know you see this a lot with a lot of the pro athletes as well. You know, they they get out of high school or college and then boom, they start making all this money. And yeah, it's great, but they don't know what to do with it. So I, I wanted to help teach. And that's kind of how the blog started. But recently I've shifted over to teaching kind of geared more towards helping these same professionals. Yeah, still get out of debt and, and that sort of thing. But really, because I've actually changed my investing more into real estate syndications and more into avoiding what we call a doctor burnout. That's it's getting really, really big these days, just from having to see a lot of a lot more patients than we used to with actually less income. A lot of these guys are burning out. And if we're able to do things and invest in things smartly to retire earlier and not have to see as many patients or not have to work as long, that's another reason why I wanted to just help share this information to others. That's awesome. Uh, Let's talk about getting out of debt. From what I understand, medical school costs a lot of money. And honestly, I don't think there's any way around that. What were some of the mistakes that you made in the past that you're trying to help others avoid? Yeah. And, and it's actually gotten a lot worse now. I mean, sometimes uh, I think there was an article in, in a magazine recently where an orthodontist resident had gotten out of school and he owed a million bucks student loans. 
And man, when you, when you start off like that, you're just, you're so far behind the eight ball. And then, you know, think about it. Whenever you get out, people that quote, expect you to have this doctor lifestyle and drive the nice cars, have the nice house, golf at the country club, but little did they know how much debt, you know, a lot of us are carrying with us. So I think for me, I, I always thought in the back of my head, Hey, I'm, it doesn't really matter so much how much debt I'm going to rack up because I'm going to have a, a good income when I got out. And I didn't really pay attention to it too much. But unfortunately, the partnership that I was supposed to to go into, it fell through like two weeks before I graduated. And I just had to scramble and start my own practice and, and you know, just kind of learn from other people. So I really shifted from the mentality of, hey, I'm just going to get out and enjoy myself to basically surviving. So you never know really what's going to happen to you. So I would definitely tell people to pay attention. Don't take things for granted. I never did look into different programs now that they have programs that they'll actually repay your student loans. A lot of these group practices that you can join, uh, you can negotiate with them. Do everything you can to pay off these loans within the first two, three, four years. Because if not, you'll just keep them around. You know, as Dave Ramsey always says, you keep them around like a pet, you know, forever. Yeah. So basically you're telling them while they're in uh, medical school, don't pull out too many loans if you don't have to, right? Like some people, they live in like super nice apartments in medical school. You don't really need that. And then be cognizant of how you're going to pay it off after you graduate, right? Like focus on paying it down first instead of living that doctor lifestyle. And I'm sure a lot of the, the doctors that are listening to this have heard this before. Live like a resident for the first five to seven years when you get out, but I'm, un- unfortunately, most of them won't do that. But it's true. If you'll live, if you'll continue living on beans and rice and basically just in an apartment for the first five to seven years with the income that you're going to get, get rid of all this consumer debt, you'll be so much further ahead of the game than these other people. It's unbelievable. So how does it work? I know you go to undergrad, and then you know you go into med school. It's another four years. And then in a residency period of like two years, something like that? It kind of depends on what you do. Now, with me going into dental school, it was, you know, college, undergrad. There was four years of dental school. And if I wanted to practice as a general dentist, I could have gotten out then. I didn't have to get, do a residency versus a go to medical school. It's four years or a DO school. Most of the time, those guys have to go to residency. And, you know, that can be anywhere from probably three to eight years or more. And same thing in dentistry. It's either a two-year, I did a three-year, I did three-year residency, but I actually did an extra year uh, hospital-based. So I actually did four years, but it's, you know, anywhere from probably two to eight years after your medical or dental school. And then during that residency period, you're not making a lot of money, right? You're basically getting like a a small subsidy to survive. Yeah, I actually had to pay. I didn't even get paid. So I actually had to take out even more loans to that. But most of the time now you're you're making enough, you know, probably thirty five, forty thousand a year just to pay your bills. Yeah. Okay. And so for the first couple of years, uh, you decided I'm gonna start deafreedoctor.com and then you're basically teaching them how to be smarter with their money. And then recently you transitioned from that into investing in real estate and try to teach them about passive investing through multifamily syndications. So what made you make that transition? Why real estate? That's a good question. Once I got to the point where we were debt-free, including our house, and we had gotten a seven-figure net worth, that was just, you know, you always have these goals. And then once you spend years and years and years and you finally get that goal and it's kind of like, 
okay, now what? You know, it's kind of like, I guess, if you win the national championship or the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, you know, now what? So I didn't really like the feeling of not having a goal to shoot for. So I really started looking into and reading blogs and books about passive income because as me as a solar practitioner, if I can't work at that point, there was no money coming in. And I started looking at different, different things to do, you know, blogging or selling stuff online. And, and, you know, a lot of that stuff I didn't really have time or, or interest in, but I'd always noticed a lot of the, or most of the really wealthy people that I knew owned or were into real estate. And I first started, I first thought I wanted to be an active real estate investor. And I've got several friends that also do that. And I would pick their brains, meet with them. And I actually went and looked at a couple of single family homes in my area. But the more I learned about it, the more I realized I, I just didn't have the time and energy and resources to be an active investor, which probably most of the people that I usually, most of the doctors and and other people that are really busy with their careers, attorneys or whatever, you just don't have time to deal with tenants. And, and I just didn't want to be a landlord. You know, I'm married with two kids and, and I want to focus my time on them. So then I started learning about some of this crowdfunding online. I started doing a couple of little deals with patchofland.com. And then back then it was Realty Shares. I did a few deals. They, they worked out well. And then I wound up doing a, an, an equity deal uh, was a syndication with Realty Shares and wound up losing my, along with all the other investors, losing all of our money. It was $50,000. It was an apartment complex. It basically went south. And, and as you can imagine, that, that left a pretty bad taste in my mouth, but it actually sparked me to to really start writing about what I was learning along the way. And I, and I, and I was putting it on my blog, what to do, what not to do. And I actually push me in the direction to get out and, and meet and find people that were putting deals together, personally meet them. And now that I've done that, basically have shifted more towards investing in those deals. And just especially with, with us, with we just bombarded with taxes, the different ways that we can save taxes, get these passive income streams coming in. So, you know, hopefully we won't have to work, you know, until we're 70 or 80 years old, like a lot of these doctors do. Yeah. So it's the goal to just find a bunch of different syndications and then have that passive income support your lifestyle in the future. Yeah, that's the game plan. And so far it's uh, working out pretty well. Okay. And so how are you finding your deals and like, who are the operators that you're working with? I'm finding deals through the people that I personally, now that I've, that I've got burned with realty shares, I'm really focused on getting to know the operators. Joe Fairless is one of them. Dan Hanford is one of them. People like that and people that I personally met, I know them, I like them, I trust them, I know about them and their families versus relying on a website that's claiming that they're getting all these deals in, which Realty Shares was saying, and they were sorting through and only putting the best deals on their website. Well, I, I didn't know anything about these operators, you know, like the ones in Tulsa had no clue. I was just putting my trust in Realty Shares, but now I don't do that anymore. So now I, I do all the, the vetting myself. Yeah. Joe and Dan are great guys. I had them on my show earlier this year and they definitely uh, shared a lot of the knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about that deal in Tulsa? Like, what do you think made it such a bad deal where their investors lost all their capital? 
I actually had a guy after I posted the article, I actually had a guy reach out to me who also lost his money and he was hiring an attorney to, to see if he could get some other investors together to do anything. But I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to pan out or anything, but he was telling me that, and, and I don't, I don't remember this and I don't know if it's true or not, but he said that initially when they put that apartment complex up on the website, that there was some sort of disclaimer in there that it, it was in a crime infested area, but they were going to do things to, you know, to help clean it up and this and that. But since then, since everyone lost the money, he claims that they've taken that off. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But I did, once the other company, RM, I believe, took over Realty Shares, they started looking into a lot of these issues and, and they did mention that the person started putting a lot of money into it a lot faster than expected and they couldn't recoup their money. And with more and more people moving out due to crime, and less and less people coming in to rent because of the crime, they basically had to shut it down. You know, had I known all of that, so basically the people that I invest with would have never invested in something like that, number one. Number two, you know, now I know to read through everything. And, you know, I ask them, I call them up, I get them on the phone individually, I ask them questions where I didn't do that before. Yeah, I bet that one project had such great paper returns, but in reality, because of the crime and stuff, like it just doesn't work out in reality. Exactly. So right now, I guess you're doing your blog. How often do you post on your blog and how are you generating traffic for your website? I started off for the first year only doing maybe one article a month. And I went to FinCon last year, which is, a, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a financial conference, mainly for vloggers and, and that sort of thing. And the majority of them told me that if, if I really want to start driving traffic, I had to commit to at least at minimum two articles a week. So now I do on a minimum two a week, sometimes more. And I've told this story before, but I've bought and, and had coaching and you know I've bought courses online for different things. To be honest with you, 99% of them haven't worked. And that's probably like most people that are listening to this. But I stumbled across a course. Um, are you familiar with Brandon Gailey, the blogging millionaire course? I don't remember what it was, like 300 bucks, 400 bucks, something like that. But really, that's the only thing really that I can think of that actually worked for me. So now I know how to find the needle in the haystack keywords to write articles on. And literally, I can get on page one of Google within a month or two. That's awesome. So basically by taking this course, you know what people are actually looking for. Like you're doing actual keyword research before writing the articles, right? So the cool thing that I do is if I read an article and I'm like, Hey, that, you know, that's like, so for instance, I'm writing an article right now on something that I was interested in learning about equity multiple. Dan and I, Dan Hanford and I talked about that. You know, it's really cool. So I, I met with Dan and I said, Hey, I've got this old traditional IRA with Vanguard that I'm thinking about doing a changing it into a self-directed IRA. And I, I would like to take that money and invest in one of your deals, which I wound up doing. So he explained to me the deal and he said, you know, it's got like a two X equity multiple. I was like, what is that? And then he was telling me how basically that, you know, you're doubling your money every five years or however, however long the whole period is. So I found an article where they're talking about equity multiple. So I was able to take that article I knew I wanted to write about equity multiple. I think that's really cool where people can just find out about that and I can figure out 
what keywords that that article is ranking for. So now that's my focus keyword. So I'm going to write on this article regardless, but you want to do it smart and use the focus keywords that it's already ranking for. Because what's the point of writing a bunch of stuff and nobody's going to read it? You know, I was just wasting my time in the beginning. That's right. And how long are your articles usually? With the software that I use, it's, um, are you familiar with SEM Rush? Yes, I use that. Okay. So basically I always, he rec, Brandon recommends that you do at least 20% more. You know, it, you can go into, there's like an SEO template. So if the average, let's just say the average number of the blogs, the articles are a thousand words. So the top 10 for equity multiple, let's say it's a thousand words. Well, you want to shoot for 20% more than that. So, you know, 1200 or something like that. So that I'd use this formula. That's really interesting because when you talk about equity multiple for everyone listening who doesn't understand, you know, how there's so many ways to calculate there's ROI, there's IRR equity multiple is like a really easy way to just say, Hey, at the end of the term, what's the multiple of the money that you're going to put in? So a two X multiple means you're going to double your money after the whole project is all said and done. Now I just explained that in like two sentences. How do you write a 1200 word article on what I just said? Well, being from Louisiana, I, I know a lot of, of words, so I can just kind of ramble on. And no, I'm just kidding. I basically look at, and again, I, I learned all this from his course. But you know, you look at the top ten. I look at the top ten articles, but then I'll also look at some of the other ones as well, like page maybe two or three, and I'll take some stuff from that, and I'll see. And most of them are set up kind of the same way, and I throw some stories in there because that stories keep stuff interesting. And I try to keep it personable and relatable. So, you know, after it's all said and done, it's usually pretty easy to write. And I had a conversation this morning with a lady that she was going to help me with my marketing a little bit. And actually Dan referred her to me and she was actually an investor with Dan, her and her husband as well. And on my article with Equity Multiple, I just start telling about the conversation we had this morning. And then I related it to Equity Multiple. That was like four or 500 words right there. Got it. Yeah, I think adding stories will make it very easy to fill that 1200 word minimum, I guess. So let's talk about your lead funnel. So basically you're writing two articles a week, right? You're doing that yourself? Yeah, I do everything myself. Okay. And at some point, because you're ranking at the top of the list, people are searching these terms in Google, you're getting like top one or two placements, right? Rank one or two in Google search. They click on your link. They see your article. They love it. They see the rest of your website. They start to know, like, and trust you. What are the next steps? How do they end up becoming an investor for one of your projects? When I revamped my website in the last few months, I recently created what we call a doctor investor circle. So I have a, an area that they can, if somebody is interested in learning more about passive investing or learning more about these real estate syndications that I talk a lot about, they can go to that specific spot that, and just fill out a form. And, and we ask them questions. And then once they fill out that form, we're able to get their contact information. And then from there, we can start sending them information. I, I usually try to connect with them on the phone to figure out what they're looking for, what they're interested in, that sort of thing. So that's kind of what the point that we're at now. But would you say your doctor's investor circle, is that like a Facebook group or is that just a, like a tab on your website where they click and that's a form that they fill out to quote unquote, join your join your circle? 
that's not a Facebook group. It's just a form. But I think the more it grows, it'll probably morph into something else. You know, maybe one day it'll get to the point where it's so big. I have my own conferences or something like that. But as of right now, that's what it is. Awesome. Yeah, actually, I went to FinCon earlier this year and I learned a lot of stuff as well. I didn't really focus too much on the blogging aspect of it. I was mostly on the podcast and video side. I think if I go again next year, I would learn more about blogging because uh, blogging is very powerful. Like that's what stays on the internet and it's very discoverable, right? Well, I was just interviewed the Real Estate Expresso podcast, Victor Manaski or Manask, I think. And he was actually in Mexico with his whole team. He does po- this podcast and he was trying to figure out his goals. They were setting new goals for 2020. And one of his goals was to start, as you just said, start doing, he's, he's mainly, he does have a blog, but most of the time is podcasts. And I said, look, you guys that have podcasts, I mean, that's, you already have your blog. You already have all the information. You just basically just hire a a college kid to go in do the key, teach them how to do the keyword research and turn all of these podcasts that you already done into blog posts. So he was, you know, and I kind of walked him through what I recommended. So I think if for all the people that, that do have podcasts, you already have a ton of information, just repurpose it into blog articles. That's right. And actually we're doing that right now. So for everyone listening, you can go to everythingrei.com slash podcast. And every single episode is actually either transcribed or uh, like the essence of the show gets broken down into notes. So you can just read it instead of having to listen to the whole episode if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so what do you think some of the challenges are when starting or what are you seeing challenges now? When I went to FinCon and I'd only been blogging for maybe four or five months at that time, 99% of the people told me that if you could stick it out for a year, you'll make it. And it's true. I mean, it's it's tough seeing patients and him coming in here in between patients and, and on the weekends and doing it and you're not making any money, or at least I, I wasn't making any money. But just sticking it out and once you do that and then you start connecting with cool people, you know, such as yourself and and all these other people, it just it's almost like it's a switch and it just kind of like it just blows up. You know, I look at my Google Analytics and for the first 18 months, it was like nothing. And then all of a sudden it just went straight up. And then that's when doors started opening. People started contacting me and and you never know where God's going to lead lead you in which direction, you know. Yeah. And like you said before, do you really attribute it to the consistency of two posts per week? Is that like the main thing that you're doing for your website? For me, I would think so. Because if you're not consistent with it, then it's it's just not going to work out in my opinion. Yeah. And I've, I've seen the best results from that. And so after you get somebody on the phone, you know, you have a conversation with them and I guess how many touches do you usually do before you can have them commit to a project that you guys have? It, you know, it depends on the person, you know, sometimes it's just that, you know, they, they'll hear me on a podcast or they'll read an article. We'll have a conversation and boom, Hey, I'm, I'm, let me know if whenever there's a deal available, I'd love to invest in it. So it just depends on the person. Whereas some other people, you know, it's like my kids, it's like they have to be told 20 times or have 20, you know, different communication or touches or whatever you call it. So, but I would, I would say on average, you know, anywhere from maybe three to eight times or touches before they're really warmed up enough. If they are going to do something, do it. Cause then, you know, it's, it's a lot different from, you know, the only thing that we know about when we get out is investing in a stock market or investing in a 401k. And I, and I can definitely understand, you know, you're, you're asking 
somebody to take $50,000, which is a lot of money, typically minimum for an accredited investor to invest in these deals. So, and, and I encourage them to learn about it, learn all you can meet with people. And I think that's what makes me real relatable is because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor like them and I've gone through the issues, the trials, the tribulations, and I'm basically telling them, Hey, avoid this. Don't do this. So I think that they respect that more versus just some salesman that's trying to sell them something. Are most of the people who contact you actually doctors? Well, at first there was, but then now the more these podcasts and, and different articles that I've written, I'm getting more and more people that aren't, but they hear me on these different shows. Uh, one guy on that real estate espresso podcast, he, that was the first thing he said. He's like, I'm not a doctor. I'm an IT, but I'm interested in learning more about syndications. Hmm, gotcha. So I know you said you focus more on the money raising side. And then you partner with guys like Dan Hanford and Joe Fairless on their deals because, you know, they're pretty trustworthy and they're, they're, they're pretty big dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you mind sharing, like, what, what kind of a negotiation do you guys have with them to say, I'm going to bring you X amount of dollars for your deals. Give me X amount of percentage of the GP. Uh, how does that conversation come out into play? It kind of depends on the person. Right now, I'm really the only person and, I, and I've just started doing this is raise money is, is with Joe Fairless and his Astra crowd, uh, capital. Dan wanted me, I talked to Dan a little bit. I do invest with Dan. I invest with both Dan and Joe and Dan wanted me to do some different things. And then after I do those different things, get back with him. So that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. One of them was revamping my website and that sort of thing. But I think for each person, because, you know, everybody that I hear that typically are doing these deals is looking for money. So, but I think everybody is different from what I understand. Some people have like programs that you have to join, you know, monetarily in order to get on, get on the GP side and be able to raise capital, that sort of thing. Whereas uh, some of them don't. And then typically each of them have their own criteria. You know, for they'll say, hey, if you bring X amount of dollars in, you get this percentage amount. But if you, you know, if it's over this amount, you get this. If it's under, you get this. So again, it's everybody is different, but that's just from my limited experience of this. Makes sense. Because I was always thinking like, it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem, right? How do you raise money when you aren't really guaranteed a GP spot? And why would a GP give you a chance if you never raised money before? Yeah, exactly. So again, one of your biggest challenges as a doctor is that you guys have to pay like enormous, like huge tax bills. How does uh, investing in multifamily syndications help you with that? It's going to help because right now, most of us, we don't have any type of passive income that's coming in because right now, if, if we wanted to get money, you know, I've got a bunch of accounts typically with Vanguard that are after tax accounts and just mutual funds. So if I wanted to start taking money out of those funds, I'd pay capital gains taxes. And if typically if we want money, well, we have to go and earn it. We have to see patients and we're taxed and typically we're taxed very heavily. So with these syndications, typically the, the monthly, either the monthly or the quarterly returns that you're getting, the checks or deposits, as you know, they're not taxed. So we can already start using that money if we want to, to either start using it and paying for stuff, typically tax-free or reinvesting it to buy more and more. 
So that's one of the ways that I'm using and also teaching people to use it as well. Okay. And uh, are you writing other articles right now or are you mostly fo focusing on uh, multifamily syndication uh, articles? Most of the article topics that I write about are have to do with different ways that we can reach financial independence, whether it's investing with syndications or, and I, and I talk and I break it down and I talk about the, the different things that go into that, you know, like I told you, like equity multiple cash on cash returns, the different, some of the different terminology that we need cap rate. That was another one that I did. So I'm, I'm really trying to make it as simple as possible, but the, also a lot of the books and conferences that I go to, I'm going to be going to Joe's conference, the best ever conference in February, probably do an article on that. Um, I really like Grant Cardone. I know a lot of people either love him or hate him, but some of the things that he says, I really like. So I recently read and did a, a review of his book, The 10X Rule. So, you know, stuff that I find interesting you know, or that I'm reading or I've got a mentor here in town that's a huge real estate investor. So occasionally I write articles about what I learned from him. So it, I guess it all has the same topic, but it's kind of to keep things interesting. It, it's multiple different things. That's cool. Uh, I think I'm going to be uh, at the best ever conference too. So I'll see you there. We can say what's up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 10X conference. I actually went to 10X conference last year in uh, in Miami as well. And it's quite a show. It's, it's like a hype fest. There's a lot of people. Actually, it's funny because most people hate sleazy salesmen, right? But the people that Grant Cardone puts on his stage are really good at sales to the point where you want to buy their products. Like you're thankful for them for being out there to offer these services to you. And I think we should all learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you? I'm going to really get into trying to focus on growing my group, my doctor investors circle and really providing them a lot of value as much as I can. And every time that a deal comes out, I'm going to do my part, whether I do a webinar with them to walk them through uh, what I like or don't like about the investment or have conversations with, because whenever I do those, uh, you know, not only are they learning from me, but I'm also learning, having to go through the deals, learning the terminology. I'm learning what they're looking for. I had a call with a dentist. She was in South Dakota, I believe. And some of the reasons that she was not wanting to practice until she was 60 kind of opened my eyes like, Hey, you know, I never thought about that. So I'm really learning what people are looking for and why they're wanting to get away from seeing patients as much to finding ways to retire earlier and, and why they're really wanting passive income now, as opposed to later. Everyone that joins your doctor inner circle, do you put them on like an email list? Yeah, you can sign up for the blog articles. That's one list. And then the people that sign up for the doctor investment circle, investor circle, that's a separate list. But typically everybody that's in the doctor investor circle, typically they've already signed up for the articles. So they're getting the articles, but that is two different lists. So, so the blog articles, every time you hit publish on a blog, everyone who's on that list gets sent out like, Hey, here's a notification that this article got published. Usually I'll write a little something to them and kind of introducing the article but yeah, it goes out to everybody on that list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you using like MailChimp or ConvertKit? What is your favorite platform to use? Right now I'm using MailChimp. It was free, but now the number of subscribers have gone up. I've actually had to, to pay my $9.99 a month. So <laughs> it's okay. It's a good problem to have. Congratulations. Yeah.
Thank you. Yeah, I'm still at maybe like five, six hundred, so it's still free for now. But in the future, it might get bigger than that. It won't be long. You you gotta start paying. Yeah, exactly. And then, how often would you say you email people? Right now, pretty much every time that we do an article, so it's two to three times a week. And then, do you write a separate article every week, like on a certain day? Like, here's to my email subscribers. I typically try to send out a, an article on Mondays and Thursdays, and then occasionally, if I'm going to do a third one, it'll be like a Friday or Saturday. Okay, got it. Because you know, like at FinCon, they talk about like email sequences and all that jazz. And to me, it's pretty complicated. I haven't figured that out yet. But do you have something like that? Where like day one, day two, day three, and then convert to something else day four? Maybe once I'll probably will have to go to something like that in the future. But now that I I can keep track of it myself, I will say this, usually the Friday or the Saturday articles, that will be people that want to do like a guest post for me. But it has to be, it can't be an article that they've already written and put on their site. It's got to be one that they specifically write for my audience. So for those listeners out there that do articles that are interested, you know, that's my, typically my criteria for that. Oh, so you can just let anyone who wants to write on your website, uh, write like an article for you. And then I guess they get a backlink, right? To their website, which is like the benefit. Yeah, they'll get a backlink. They're allowed three links from, from their blog, but you know, they have to meet certain criteria. You know, it's got to fit with, is it going to provide value to my list? Because if not, I'm not going to send it out. And I, and I get people pitching me. I used to say on a daily basis, but now it's on an hourly basis. They come into my inbox that, you know, hey, you know, can we do an article, an article? And 99% of them I don't even respond to because it's, you know, they're wanting to try to sell something or whatever. So I'm very selective of who I let do a guest post. And, and you could probably go through my, my articles and you'll see there's not a whole lot that, that do that. That's really cool. Yeah, hopefully I can get there someday too, where I have people are asking me to write blogs on my website. Oh, yeah. But then again, you know, it's like a quality control thing, right? Like I'm kind of scared to let someone else write on my website. I mean, you look at the big bloggers, I mean, they allow that, but there's certain criteria and they got to usually jump th- through hoops and it's a two to three month waiting list to do it. So it's usually a privilege to do that. So once you get to that point, you're you're really going to have, get some really people, you're going to get some high name good quality people that you never would have thought would have reached out to you that, that actually reach out to you. So once you get to that point, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's like this whole other world that most people will never understand unless they actually go into it. So if anyone listening, go check out FinCon, probably one of the best conferences I went to this year. Yeah. All right, Jeff. So do you have any last tips before we end our show today? Probably the tip that I usually like to share with people, no matter what you're investing in, whether it's real estate or the stock market or, your friend's restaurant or whatever, make sure that you educate yourself. And I would say, unless you can turn around and explain it to a kid, then you don't know it enough to do it. Don't invest in anything that you don't know backwards and forwards. And even if you, you know, you know, let's say you're going to invest in a stock market, even if you're not going to do it yourself, even if you're going to hire a financial advisor, that's fine. But still, when you go into that meeting, be prepared to ask questions. And if they can't answer what you're looking for, then move on. Cause there's plenty of people that there that, that could help you, you know, you just don't shortchange yourself. Great advice. Thanks for that. So Jeff, how can people get in contact with you? Probably the best way is through the website. It's debtfreedr.com, or they can email me directly, Jeff, J E F F at debtfreedr.com. 
Perfect. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you telling us more about multifamily syndications, how it helps doctors, and also, of course, how to be a better blogger and how to get more attention through the internet. My pleasure. Anytime. Best of luck to you and your new blogging adventures. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Take care. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. Even with a high paying position, like as a doctor or a lawyer, you still need to start investing so that you aren't forced to work forever. Create an online platform, like a weekly blog, to raise funds for multifamily investments. Focus on writing articles that people are searching for by using tools like SEMrush and try to write 20% more than the average blog post. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.